0: Behold our God, what an opportunity. Kids at this time, the kids can be dismissed to Children's Church. Uh, the rest of us, I want to begin this morning. Our topic this morning is the idea of hospitality. Hospitality. We think about hospitality, if you're like me, when I think of hospitality, I think of Southern hospitality. Um, the stereotype in my brain of hospitality is Martha Stewart, fresh cut flowers on a table, doilies, teacups, a spotless house, beautifully set table, creatively prepared meal, smiling hostesses, proper manners, and something I'm not too interested in. I right? mean, we think about that idea of hospitality, and this image of hospitality is often one that we find on Pinterest. Know that we've got to have all the things got to look just right for hospitality. We have all these external ideas of what hospitality looks like, and I'm guessing for most of you that's what hospitality looks like or comes to mind it's something like something that somebody who is a super host and super hostess they're the people that can pull off something like that uh, but for most of us we're just common folk and like i really oh, that idea of southern hospitality that pinterest and all kinds of stuff i could never pull that off And because of this idea, this stereotypical image we often have of hospitality, it's easy for us to conclude then that hospitality is not something for me. It's not something for me. It's not something for you. It's for a select few people who are really good, have really good taste, who have a really nice house, who have things that are really organized. And and, and, and that's who this is for. But as we open our Bibles, we're going to see that hospitality is something God calls all of us to. God calls all of us to a biblical hospitality. He says that He tells us that we are to show hospitality. We're going to look at passages this morning that are going to show us that. The question we need to be examining is what is biblical hospitality and how do we practice it? And to take some pressure off of you, I want to say up front that biblical hospitality is completely different than what we see on Pinterest or what you think of when you think of Southern hospitality. What God calls us to are not doilies and teacups kind of hospitality, but a hospitality that is shaped by love and the gospel. That is our direction this morning. And so the question we begin with is, well, what is hospitality? Well, if we would look in our, the, the, the word that our Bibles translate hospitality comes from a Greek word that is a combination of two words. It's a combination of the word phileo, which sounds like where we get our, the city of what? Philadelphia, which is known as a city of brotherly love. Okay, so we have a city of brotherly philo word. So it's about love, and the word hospitality is that. But then there's another word, xenos, and xenos is a word that maybe is probably a little more foreign to us, but foreign to us because the word xenos is the word that's attached to xenophobia, which is the fear of foreigners. Okay, and, and so but the idea it means stranger or somebody who is an outsider. So we put those together, phileo, xenos, and we put those words together and we get our word hospitality, which means very literally the love of strangers, the love of outsiders, the love of people who are different than us. And so we put those words together and we get our word hospitality. One author, in defining this in a historical context, defined hospitality as graciously receiving an alienated person. Graciously receiving an alienated person into your home, into your land, into your community, by providing directly for their needs. Now, historically, we would see that. Historically, back in Bible times, they didn't have Holiday Inns, Comfort Suites, Hampton Inn. They didn't have all those places. So if you would travel... There's no place to stay. So you'd either have to stay in an open square or somebody would have to exercise hospitality. Somebody would bring you into their home. They would provide you with a meal. They would provide you with a place to sleep. And that is what, that's what hospitality looked like in the first century. And we look at it in the Bible context. And the New Testament uses the word similar to that, but the New Testament broadens our understanding of it. So, hospitality for us doesn't mean you have some stranger come into a Wallbash football game on the weekend and you need to open your home and let him stay there and feed him a meal. Okay? In our culture, that might be a little weird. Unless you're Airbnb, right? And so it's not so weird anymore, but we recognize that that, that that's what it would be, but it's broader than that. So so what is it? Well, we're going to begin with a definition of hospitality is this. Biblical hospitality Is graciously welcoming others, graciously welcoming others into our lives and into our homes for redemptive purposes. So, biblical hospitality is graciously welcoming others into our lives and our homes for redemptive purposes. So, let's look at that a little bit. This idea of biblical hospitality. We're going to define hospitality biblically, not according to Pinterest or the Martha Stewart magazines. Okay, it's a biblical hospitality, and and it's a graciously welcoming. And so welcoming means I'm inviting people close to me. Graciously means I'm doing it not just because they deserve it. I'm doing it not because of who they are, but because I am seeking to be a gracious person. So biblical hospitality is graciously welcoming others, others where into our lives. And into our homes. You see, it's not, just, it's not just about us going to others, but allowing them to come close to us. What we begin to realize is that this idea of biblical hospitality is deeply personal. It's not something we do as a program and Distant. We're we're inviting people close. Where Much of ministry that we talk about in ministry, that we are going to others and we're going to serve others and we're drawing near to them. Hospitality turns that around. Yes, we are to go, but we're also to invite people close to us. Inviting people near to us. And we invite them into our lives and into our homes. And we do this for redemptive purposes. And that idea of redemptive purposes, we do this because we want God's will to be accomplished in our lives and in the lives of the people that are around us, the people that we invite close. We want God to go to work. And the first place we want him to work is in us, which when we think about hospitality, this can be really difficult. And allowing somebody to come close, that's a little scary. That's a little uncomfortable. But the beauty of hospitality is God puts us in hard and uncomfortable places for his redemptive purposes, he wants to use them for our growth. So that's our definition: biblical hospitality is graciously welcoming others into our lives and uh, into our lives and our homes for redemptive purposes. Well, let's look at a few ideas. Warm your fingers up in your and we're going to look at a number of Bible passages. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to pull one out of the pew by you. I will give you the page numbers, all right? So if you're not familiar with the Bible, use the pew Bible and we will follow. I will give you the page numbers so you can get there quickly. Our first passage is in the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And if you're using a pew Bible, this, actually is 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is on page 992 in a pew Bible. First Timothy chapter three, and then we're going to look in the book of Titus. And what we're going to see in these two passages is an idea of how important hospitality is within the church. First Timothy chapter three, verses one and two says this: "The saying is trustworthy." If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, now, an overseer is a pastor, an elder, overseer. Those three words all describe somebody who's in a role of leadership within the church. Okay, And so, if anyone desires or aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable what's our next word hospitable able to teach not a drunkard not violent but gentle not quarrelsome but a lover of money in this what we see is that that hospitality is a qualification for spiritual leadership As we look here in Timothy, that we see that he is saying, if somebody desires this office, desires to be a spiritual leader and have this formal role of an overseer, they must be people who are hospitable. That means they need to be people who have lives and homes that are open, that people are able to draw near to them. The spiritual leaders don't keep people at arm's length and just go help them, they allow others to draw near. We see this also in the book of Titus, turn over three or four pages in your Bible to the book of Titus. This is on page 998. Titus chapter 1, and then we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. We're going to see a similar statement that we read in 1 Timothy. Titus chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says, For an overseer, so he's talking about the same group of people in spiritual leadership, for an overseer as God's steward... Which, by the way, what that means is this person who's in spiritual leadership has been entrusted with people. Okay, that there's a stewardship, there's a responsibility for them. So what must be? He must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant, or quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable. A lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. As we see this, we see that a qualification for spiritual leadership is that of hospitality. And we recognize this as that, that, that hospitality begins to create a space for God to work. Here's what I mean by that: is oftentimes as we think about spiritual growth that spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships. People who know each other, love each other, challenge each other, encourage each other. But oftentimes, we want to keep spiritual growth at a distance. You grow in your relationship with God over there. I'll grow in my relationship with God over here, somebody else over here, somebody else over here, and there's distance. God is teaching us that that, that spiritual growth happens in the context of a community, in relationships with other people. And because of that, that hospitality is a requirement, is an expectation for those who are in spiritual leadership. Now, we would look at these qualifications for spiritual leadership, and some of you might say, glad that doesn't include me, because if I'm not a pastor, why is he telling us this? I'm not a pastor, I'm not an overseer, I'm not an elder, that doesn't apply to me. Hold on, okay? Keep turning your Bibles. Let's go back to the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, this is going to be Romans chapter 12. In your Bibles, in the Pew Bible, this is on page 948. So, hospitality is a qualification for spiritual leadership. It's a big deal to God. But look in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. He's talking to all the believers in Rome, these believers. He's written this to all of them, not just to the leaders. In verse 13, it says, Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show what? Hospitality. That's to all of us, everybody. Now, keep your place here. We're going to come back here in just a moment to this passage. But turn to another one, 1 Peter. Turn to the book of 1 Peter. And if you're using a pew Bible, 1 Peter chapter 4 this is on page 1016. I love the fact that my Bible has the same numbers as a few Bibles. I didn't plan that, but I figured it out, and I love it, so it makes it really easy to give you page numbers. Okay, so in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9... And he puts a qualifier on this. You know that this. You know you're expecting this verse to say show hospitality, and it does. So this verse is saying do this. Show hospitality in verse nine. Show hospitality to one another. What's the uh, What's the preposition? That ends without, grumbling. Man, I was all ready to get into this, but I was going to grumble about it because I really don't like it. And I don't really have to have people close, and I'm got to be personal and private. I want to keep distance with people. I don't want people close to my home, and I'm not sure I like that. But God says do it, I'll do it, and grumble, grumble, grumble. All right, now God says to show hospitality without what? Grumbling, which probably means without grumbling means we should be doing it with what? Yeah, I'm here number with joy. You do this with joy, but it's hard. You're talking about opening my life, allowing people to come close to me. I'm talking about opening my home and allowing people to come close and like see where I live and how I live. That's, that, that doesn't sound joyful. That can be terrifying. And, and, and think, well, why would I do that? Well, so far, why would we do it? Because God says, show hospitality. And you're like, well, don't we get a skirt around that somehow? I mean... Can we just not do it? Well, not if we're going to be obedient. Not if we say that I love God and my love for Him is expressed in my obedience. So so why do this? I mean, God tells me to do this, but 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 I want us to see this bigger idea too. Let's, let's turn back to Romans 12. Keep replacing 1 Peter because we're coming back there too. All right? We're coming back. Romans chapter 12, back to page 948. I want you to see the context that he's writing this in. Okay, in 12.9, okay, in 12.9 it says that we are to what? Show hospitality. I'm sorry, in verse 13. But look at what nine says. Let love be genuine, abhor or hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. And what we begin to see here is that hospitality is the expectation for every believer Okay, we saw that. That was the next point in your outline. That hospitality is the expectation for every believer. And here we see that it's not only an expectation for every believer, but we see that hospitality is an expression of love. Did you see that? I mean, verse 9, it's a paragraph, 9 to 13. And he says in verse 9, let love be genuine. That word genuine means without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a word, is an idea of wearing masks. I'm pretending to be somebody over here and I'm wearing a mask, but over here the mask is off, and this is who I really am. And it's saying, as believers, our love must be genuine, must be unhypocritical, not playing games. And one of the expressions, well, some of the expressions of that is I love each other, I love one another with brotherly affection, I show honor. I'm not slothful in zeal, but I'm fervent in spirit. I'm serving in the Lord. Verse 12, I'm being hopeful and patient. I'm praying. I'm giving to the needs of others. Why? Because all these are expressions of love. And then in verse 13, show hospitality. Showing hospitality is an expression of love. Now, turn back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9. Okay, back on page 1016. 1016. Again, why I'm saying this and what I want you to see is when we read a verse of scripture, we need to understand its context. What's around it? Why is he telling me to do this? Why is he telling me to show hospitality? In the context of Romans 12, it's because love is an express or hospitality is an expression of genuine love. Well, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it says, look what verse 8 says. Above all, keep what? Loving one another. Loving one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. And in the context of love, the very next verse he says show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So, why is this important? We see that, that hospitality is something that's expected for all believers. It's expected of spiritual leaders. But we also see that why is hospitality important? Because it's an expression of love. And we step back in a bigger picture. What's the greatest commandment? Greatest commandment, all the way back in Deuteronomy, we read about it. We read about it in Matthew and Mark, and Jesus talks about it. The greatest commandment is to do what? To love God... With what? All of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. The second one is to do what? Love our neighbor as myself. That, so hospitality falls under the second greatest commandment. Hospitality is an expression of my love. If I truly love people, I will open up my life. I will open up my home and allow them to draw near because I want to love them, because I want God's work to be done in their life. And I know that allowing them to be close is an avenue that God wants to use to help us to grow spiritually. God's calling us to this biblical idea of hospitality. Well, as we also see this, so in, here in 1 Peter three eight nine 8, verse 9, look in verse 9. It says, show hospitality to who? Whom? Who's it tell us to show hospitality to in verse 9? To one another. Who's one another? In the context of 1 Peter, who would the one another's be? Yeah, other believers. That's us. We would open our homes and our lives to each other within the church. Turn back a few pages to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. this is on page 1009. And this is what's beautiful about this theme of hospitality as it's phrased through the Bible. There's great unity in this idea that it's about, about phileo, loving Zenos, outsiders. It goes more than that to loving one another. It's tied to love. And here in chapter 13 of Hebrews verse one, it says, "Let what continue?" Brotherly love, hmm, seems like we have a theme going, loving others. And then in verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality. Here it says to show hospitality to who? Strangers, okay, the outsiders. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. This is in the context of people having getting close and, having, and, and, and showing hospitality, showing love to an outsider. And it says sometimes people have done that and the people they're actually showing hospitality to have actually been angels. And it's like, how does that work? I don't know. But what I do know is that sometimes there are angels that apparently look like people that we serve, that we have no idea that they're angels. We're just serving them because we're loving people who are showing hospitality in a very general context. And as we do that, sometimes God in His providence has put angels and we end up serving them. And do you think God's probably glorified when we serve angels? Absolutely, because their ministry is to serve us. And when we just be who we're going to be, serving others, allowing others to come close. We're drawing near to others. As a result of that, we see God glorified. And so we see that hospitality is an expectation of spiritual leaders. It's an expression of love. We also see in these passages that it's an expression of love towards both believers, that's show hospitality to one another, and to unbelievers, to the strangers. Let love be genuine. We're to love each other. We're to love outsiders. And so, as you begin to think about all of this, are you starting to get the idea that this is for all of us? This isn't just for Martha Stewart's in our congregation. This isn't just for the people who have it all together and every time everything's perfect in their home and it's all decorated to hilt and you come over and there just happens to be a pitcher of fresh squeezed lemonade with a lemon floating on top of it and glasses of. it Well, come on in. I'm glad I'm all ready for you. Because that's not... I don't know if that's any of us. But if that's our idea of hospitality, that's much different than what we see and what we're going to practice. Why is this important? You see, this is important. Hospitality, opening our lives and homes to others for God's purposes. This is important because biblical hospitality reflects the character and work of God. We are being like God when we exercise hospitality i say that that we open our homes and our lives to others because we think about what has god done big scope of the bible what has god done god created this world and planted us on it and he put us on this earth and he walked with us in the garden of eden he wa- he was near us desiring relationship and had his had his perfect relationship with god but what happens, we get to Genesis 3 and sin comes in. And sin comes in, it brings division, it brings death, it brings corruption and catastrophe. Oh, everything's broken. And so rather than us reflecting God as being outward-oriented people who just naturally love others, who, who seek to give of ourselves and are... are and, and, and actually it says all the way back in Genesis 2 that Adam and Eve were naked and what? Unashamed. This idea, there's no separation, that there's nearness, that there's closeness, and that's the nature of relationships. Sin comes in and what happens? Distance. Distance between us and between God. Distance between one another. Adam and Eve hide from one another by clothing themselves with fig leaves. Adam and Eve hide in the bushes from God. Distance is created. They get closed off. And that's what sin does to us then closes us off to others we don't want to be exposed we don't want to see other people to see us we don't want other people to know us as we really are we we want to we want to put on a show over here but we know who we really are over here so love this kind of relationship becomes hypocritical it's not genuine and God calls us to love in a genuine way because that's how he loves and we see sin breaks all of this. And so we become people who are proud. We want to be inward focused. Rather than being hospitable to other people, we want other people to serve us. And sin breaks all of this. And as a result of this, as we exercise hospitality, what we want to happen is we want to, we want to work hard. When we do exercise hospitality, we want to work hard to make sure people are impressed with us. They would walk away thinking, What a wonderful host. What a wonderful hostess. What a beautiful home they have. Perfectly manicured lawn. Perfectly behaved children. And that iced tea, perfectly sweetened. And they're they're just wonderful. And, and, And we want them to serve us in that way. And yet as we realize that we want people, rather than serving them because we love them, we serve them because we want them to be impressed with us. We're thinking, put on a pretty good show today, honey. I think they're impressed when they're leaving, right? On their heads, they—they got to think we're—they got to think we're pretty wonderful at this party we put on today. That's not biblical hospitality. That's what sin does to us, because we make this gift that we're supposed to invite others near to us and into our lives and our homes, so we can serve them. But we do it because we want to impress. We want them to be impressed with us. And we see that sin—sin—messes up even good things like hospitality. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came for these kinds of things because we're selfish people. Jesus came because we are sinners. And Jesus came. And listen, the beautiful thing that Jesus came, He comes and He draws near to us and then He he says to us, remember hospitality is we're inviting people, welcoming, graciously welcoming others into our lives and our homes. Remember what Jesus did? He came and He said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, in my Father's house, in my Father's house are many rooms or sometimes translated mansions. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And that's in the context of Jesus saying that there is one way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father That we have a heavenly Father who is drawing us near, who wants us to be close to Him. He is a hospitable God. He wants us to know Him and to love Him and to be near Him. He has drawn near to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has taken our sins upon Himself. He has died on the cross to be able to wash away our sins and to make us acceptable to the Father. And when the Father comes to us, He serves us which is amazing. He is the ultimate host, but He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is what God has come to do for us. We see this, that the Father welcomes us. He welcomes us into His presence through the work of Jesus Christ. Listen, this morning, if you feel like you are distant from God or you're not walking with God, or you think that God wouldn't want to have anything to do with you because of your sins, I want you to hear this message of the gospel that Jesus has provided a way for you to be restored in your relationship with the Father. God loves you. God has loved you, and He's sent His Son to die for you to, so that you could be near to Him. He loves us. And He does this for us. So we see the Father loves us. But I want to see, show you another picture. This is really cool. Look in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. Those of you who are with us on Wednesday night, you've got to peek at this because I was pretty fired up about earlier in the week. But Isaiah chapter 25. And in Isaiah 25, this is on page, let me get there, I'll tell you the page number. It's on around 590, 586 in the Pew Bible. And this is the Old Testament. This is Isaiah the prophet when Israel is rebelling against God and he's looking to the future and God's reveal, he's revealing what God's going to do for his people. And so he gives us this insight about what God's going to do. And look what it says in chapter 25, Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 8. It says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich foods, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of morrow, of aged wine well refined. And he, so what's God doing? He's preparing a meal. He's preparing this giant feast. Who's preparing it? God is. For who? His people. He's preparing this. And it says in verse 7, And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all the nations. I believe that's the shadow of death. What's God swallowing up? It's all gone. The curse is all gone. And then in verse 7 it says, And he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all their faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from the earth, for the Lord has spoken it's this incredible picture that god says to us come near to me come near to me i'm preparing a banquet i'm preparing a feast and there is a seat at the table for you and when we get to heaven and we know god that god prepares a marriage supper this marriage supper of the lamb That Jesus is the bride, believers are the, the, Jesus is the groom, the church, believers are the bride, and we celebrate this feast that's provided by the Father because of the Son, and we get to celebrate. He serves us. That blows me away that God would do that. I mean, it's as though we're sitting at the table, and this perfectly lined table that God has provided, and He's serving it. I don't know about you, but I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, hold on here. No, no, you sit down. I'll go. I'll go get stuff out of the kitchen. I'll come. I'm serving you because of all that you've done for me. You're God. You're the king of kings. I, I don't deserve to be served by you. I should be serving you. You know what his response is? I, this is my sanctified imagination. I think his response is, sit down, Steve. It's all done. I've done this. This is for my glory. This is for your good, for the glory of my son, Steve, it's all been provided for you. There's nothing for you to do. Whoa. That's the kind of God we serve. And, and, and that is the kind of God who is a hospitable God. And he invites us then to love others as he has loved us. You see, that's why we see that biblical hospitality reflects the character and work of God. This is a long quote, but I want you to see this quote. Now, Tim Challies is a, an author and, a, um, and writes a lot of, a number of things, and he says this about hospitality. There are your notes there. The hospitality prepares a table for us. There's this idea that hospitality, he says, creates opportunities. Hospitality creates opportunities for three things, for relationship, for discipleship, and evangelism. So, In hospitality, we're inviting others near to to us in our lives, in our homes. And what does that do? It allows us to build relationships. It helps us to disciple others. And it helps us to share the gospel. And he says, it creates a natural context for modeling marriage, parenting, and a host of Christian virtues. While we are to teach others what the Bible says, we are also to demonstrate what it says. And we do that by inviting people into our homes and into our lives. Beautiful picture of what God desires. He desires hospitality to accomplish these redemptive purposes of relationships, discipleship, and evangelism. And we model it. And you think, <laughs> you, you, okay, Steve, Pastor Steve, I get this, but if somebody would come to my house, they're not going to see the model of marriage, parenting, or other Christian virtues. Because we don't do that very well. And I want to say, that's all right. Because guess what? The people you're inviting over, they don't have it all together either. Okay? Now, if they do, right, um, and they look down on you, guess what they've just communicated? They don't have it all together. Because their spirit, if they look around and think, man, these, these people don't have it all together, what the response should be is to love you and say, you know what? Can I be a help and encouragement to you? It looks like things are really hard for you. I'd love to be able to help you. That's that's a picture. And it creates this opportunity. And the walls come down in the context of hospitality. It creates a context to know, love, encourage, and to help one another. Well, as we think about this idea, I want us to realize that, that this hospitality, and right now it's all been kind of ivory tower stuff, and many of you are thinking, okay, I get this. How many of you would say, I get this. I, I know that hospitality is something to, um, to allow others to come close. I'm welcoming people close into my house and my life, and God calls me to do that. It reflects the character of God, and it's something that every believer should do. How many of you would say, I get that? Okay, Everybody should get that, because that's what we've taught. Now, the question becomes, how do we do it, though? Because this is really hard. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little make it real section here for a few minutes. Okay, make it real. First thing we need to do, we need to get past our stereotypes. Our stereotypes of hospitality is this, that hospitality is not about entertaining others hospitality is not entertainment. Entertainment means I'm having you over to entertain you. That means that I have responsibility to make sure everything goes right for you and I'm, I'm putting on a show and this is all about kind of what I'm doing and making sure everything's right. It's not about entertainment. It's not about entertainment. It's about engagement. It's about relating to people, not putting on a show. Okay? We need to get past that. And I know that can be really hard to get past. Because our culture says that's what's important, how people think about you. And if I allow them close, I'm not sure they're going to think about me the way I want them thinking about me. My challenge would be to you that maybe you should allow them to know you as you really are. Because if they know you as you really are, maybe that can foster growth in you. So hospitality is not entertaining. It's about engaging with others. In other words, it's not about you. One author, Rosaria Butterfield, says this. Entertainment is about impressing people and keeping them at arm's length. Hospitality is about opening up your heart and home just as you are and being willing to invite Jesus into the conversation. We need to get over these stereotypes. We need to realize that hospitality is not about impressing others, but serving them. It is about God's work, not just in them, but God's work in us. Because one of the things for some of us, exercising hospitality, one of the big ways God's going to have to work in us is in the realm of our own pride. and our own pride in getting over the fact that everything has to be perfect before I will let anybody come near me or into my house. We've got to get over it. That's pride. And hospitality will help you get over it because if you're inviting people to your house, they're going to see who you really are, and it's okay. I also want to encourage you. We not only need to get, make, get past the stereotypes, we also need to get practical. So how do we do this? I want to say this. is a phrase somebody said, do what you do, and open your arms a little wider. So here's what this means. How many of you are going to have lunch after church today? Okay, probably most of us, probably all of us. So here's the idea. You're going to lunch, open your arms a little wider. Say to somebody, hey, we're going to Culver's after lunch. You want to join us? Now, the expectation is they pay for themselves. You're not paying for their dinner, all right? Just make it clear. So if somebody invites you after dinner, unless they make it clear they're paying for you, assume you're going to pay for yourself, all right? That's off the table now. And so what are you doing? You're already going to Culver's to eat lunch. So what? Open your arms a little wider. Why don't you come along and we'll chat? You're fixing dinner at home. Fix a little more. Plan ahead. Say, why don't you come over with us? So that's one way. That, that, That we do what we do and open our arms just a little wider. We're going to do something, invite some others along. That we'd invite two. This is something else that I think that, that, uh, that Trisha, we found real practical is that rather than just inviting one person over, invite them and somebody else. Invite another couple or two couple, because there's a relational dynamic that just happens. Because sometimes if you're just like with one other person or one other couple, it can get like awkward sometimes. I don't know what to talk about blah, blah, blah. But another couple really seems to foster and really helps that. Because they're talking about the stuff, you're talking about stuff, and you've got all this other stuff going on. It just really fosters that. It's something to be really, really practical. Okay? I want to encourage you as well, as we think about inviting to, um, also involve your guests. If you invite somebody over, get them busy. Have you help them, help the set table. Hey, they're the table plates. Would you mind putting those on a table? Right? They're the forks. Would you mind putting them on the table? You know what? They don't do it the way you would want it done. Guess what? I'm guessing those forks and spoons are still going to work. They'll figure it out. Wait, the fork's supposed to be on the left side. Why is it on the right? I can't eat. Not sure what I'm supposed to do here. All right? Just reach over, pick it up, and start eating with it. Right? Okay? Involve your guests and let them let, be involved in doing stuff. Have them help you clean up when you're done. Hey, would you guys mind helping bring dishes in here to the kitchen? Right? If it's hospitality, the walls are coming down, this isn't about entertaining and pressing. If you're entertaining them, the doors of the kitchen are closed and you're out here, everything's nice and nobody's going to see what's in there until it's all done. Because, listen, when you've made a meal for other people, what's your kitchen probably look like? A disaster, right? Because it's dirty. You've just prepared a meal. And why do you expect it to look like? A mess. But we don't want anybody else to see my kitchen's a mess. Why not? Okay? So, so simple things like this. I would encourage you also sharpen one another. Talk about what you're reading in Scripture. Talk about things you're learning in church. Bring Talk, have a conversation at some point during your time about the Lord and His work in you. Asking good questions. And then I would add this one. Enjoy yourself. Okay? And I say this, I would say this this way. Get, you need to guard against the Martha Syndrome. No, Mary and Martha, Martha's so busy doing that what's she unwilling to do? She's unwilling to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn. And we can be so busy at this, this hospitality, I'm so busy doing all this, make sure everything's right, that I completely miss the experience with the people. And, and, and this, this is going to take work. For some of you, this is, some of the, this is going to become pretty easy. For some of you, you're like, man, this is a big mountain. But I get it. I, I would say this also. Let's get real. So let's get real. How do we get real? Recognizing this is often hard, inconvenient, costly, and time-consuming. How many of you agree to say, yep, sounds like it's going to be hard, inconvenient, costly, and time-consuming? It will be. Now, before we make to our next point, I just want to make a point to the husbands here, for those of you who are married. Husbands, your wife is likely going to feel the weight of this differently than you do. Okay? because what's your attitude typically the guy it's fine honey and what's her response no it's not honey and so i say that because that's just reality and i want to encourage husbands get involved in this if you say honey we're, we need to start doing this a little more you need to have a list of things you're going to do to help make this work so, tell you what, I know, I know Pastor Steve said everything doesn't have to be perfect, but I know you're going to want the house picked up, and so tell you what, I'll help get the house cleaned up, picked up a little bit. The kids and I will help do that, and we'll get some of those things in order. And uh, we know that you've got some stuff that you need to do this afternoon, later on this afternoon, and uh, we're, we're going to help work on that as well. Okay, that we step up and we get involved with this. Okay, because frankly, if it's all going to rest on one person in the family, it's not going to happen very consistently. And somebody's not going to enjoy it at all. Okay? And husbands also love your wife enough to be able to say, Honey, just sit down. Okay, just sit down. It's, gonna work. It's, it's all done. Just sit down. Let's, let's, let's go. Right? And again, but, but see, biblical hospitality is welcoming others to ourselves, drawing them near, opening our lives and our homes for God's redemptive purposes. Some of these are things God wants to work on in our marriages. I mean, don't put your hand up. But wives... Would you love it if your husband would step up and help with that kind of stuff a little more? I told you not to put your hands up so you're not responding, but you see a quiet next to your spouse there. Respect that. But, gentlemen, I would tell you that almost every wife in here has just said, yes, preach it, right? But I would also, so, so I've said that to the husbands. To the wives, husbands, without raising your hands, how many of you would want to say to your wife, honey, sometimes you just need to chill out? I did, I, Rodney, we're going to talk afterwards. I said don't say anything. Okay, but, huh, seems like we hit a nerve there, didn't we? (laughs) I say that because that's what we need to hear. Guys, we need to hear, step it up. Okay, and so, guy steps it up, wife, bring it down, and let's figure this out we got to chill out a little bit. We need to step up, whatever language you use. Now, be gentle as you have that kind of language. And frankly, why this accomplishes God's redemptive purposes, you think, man, if we would start doing this, it might cause some sparks in our marriage. I want to say, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with those sparks, as long as you're going to apply biblical principles to fix those sparks. And love each other enough to say, listen, this is something God calls us to and we've got to figure this out. Because, and I mean, I've been a little lazy and I've got to step it up. I mean, I've been a little pretty high strung. I need to tone it down. Because again, why do we do this? Because it expresses the love of God. Again, this is inconvenient. It can be hard. It can be costly. It can be time consuming. So the question, why do it? Because this is love. God calls us to love one another. To not just love one another in word, but to love in deed. To love one another practically. And I'm guessing for most of us, this is an area that we could grow in. Opening our arms a little wider and inviting others to come near. We need to remember that our lives and our homes are not our own. Our lives and our homes are not our own. They are gifts from our God. And our God desires us to use our lives and our homes for his redemptive purposes. This may be hard, but it's good. This will cause you to grow. To grow in your love for others and your love for God. And so as we wrap up this morning, at the bottom of your notes, I left a little blank. Because this is one of those times where you say, yeah, I know I need to do this. So I left some blanks for you to apply this. And it it says this, I will show hospitality by, and then there's a blank, by doing what, with whom, and when. And so I would encourage you, as we take up the offering here in just a moment, to think about filling that out. I will show hospitality by, for instance, inviting couple of the guys from trinity to our house before the end of september i will show hospitality by inviting and have in my mind this couple or this individual to go to lunch with us after church before the end of september so i encourage you as we spend a little time thinking as we receive our offering this morning thinking about how can i show hospitality or another way how can i show love in this specific way in the next few months. Right? If the men will come, we'll pray and receive our morning offering. Father, we thank you that you love us, that you are a hospitable God who has opened yourself up to us and you draw us near. Jesus has prepared a place for us now, a place where we're going to be and we're going to dwell with you forever. You are going to serve us. You're going to have this meal and you're going to be a host for us. Lord, that's, it's almost unfathomable to think that you love us like that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to love others like that, that we would work hard to see ourselves and know what redemptive, what Christ-like purposes you want to accomplish in us, and that we would bring down our walls, and that we would allow others, we would graciously welcome others into our lives and our homes for your work to be accomplished in us and in others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.